All righty. Let me see. Am I about to record? All right. Hey, I'm on. I'm on. How are you, man? I'm hanging in. It's getting colder. It is. It's, uh, it's like in the 60s here. I'm bundling up big time here in Phoenix. So, um, Look, welcome to OTXNT. Guys, this is a this is a big day because let me tell you what's transpired in, in the past week. Um, here's what's transpired. Um, Dr. Marquez here was brought to the prestigious Gateway Seminary uh, to speak in their chapel on a very difficult topic. And um, it comes from 1 Corinthians 15. And uh, we'll put a link in there to how you can watch that on YouTube. Um, everybody should. You can fast forward to him if you want to, or you can watch the whole thing of what's happening. Gateway Seminary is located in Ontario, California, right near the Ontario John Wayne Airport. Um, but uh, today, here's what I'd like to do. I would like this morning, to, as we're doing this, for me to uh, kind of set it up to ask you. You've done the research. You've done the time. I want you to give me the synopsis of kind of this weird, it's a hard pass. I've read it before and I've thought, ah, I have no clue. But I also want you to kind of give us some tips for our audience, our OTXNT audience. And for that, that's a lot of our, you know, some of that's our own church people, right? Of like, how would I go about trying to understand this passage with what I've got, which is a Bible and maybe a concordance or something like that. So um, I'm excited. I've got a, I've got a chapel speaker from one of the six, actually one of the largest seminaries, you know, in the world, which is Gateway Seminary. And so um, welcome aboard. I'm glad to, I get to know that my partner is in this show is you. You have me, who's guy with a Yoda in my background, and then you have Yoda right here in front of us. So just so you know. All right, man, let's get started today, though. You want to start with our prayer? Yeah, let's start with uh, the Lord's Prayer, you know, if you'll... Uh... Pray with us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, so yeah. How did you get started? In it? Did you pick this passage or did they pick it for you? Yeah, so they, they picked it for me, and um, so I don't know why my name exactly popped up for it, but basically they uh, were looking at difficult passages, and um, so I got an email uh, from the, the VP saying, hey, um, you know, you're an alum, uh, we're looking at difficult passages, maybe you could help with uh, the baptism for the dead, 1529. And so baptism I, for the dead. Yeah. Now, I'll say this, you and I both know, living out in Arizona— um, when we hear about baptism for the dead, um, we commonly think of it in terms of a Mormon context because that's something that Mormons do, baptism for the dead. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I've read this passage. It, it's in 1 Corinthians 15. Um, and the question is, is that, is that what is being said? Is that, is that for Christians to do? Did Mormons somehow recover, you know, like, you know, that's because there's a verse, right? So that's, it is a weird passage, man. I'm glad they gave it to you for, to kind of give some clarity to everybody out there, what it's about. Well, when, when, uh, Dr. Adam Groza shot me that email, I was super excited, you know, Hey, this will be a great opportunity. And then I started jumping into this and, and thought maybe 
maybe I had wronged him somewhere along the way because uh, just so much, <laughs> so much work digging into this. And of course, I'm, I'm joking about that. Again, I was very excited to be able to do this, but um, yeah, they, the suggestion, uh, Konzelman said 200 different interpretations of this verse. I think um, Stewart said 40. Um, so it, it is just one of those passages that we don't have an answer to, but we've got some very good um, possibilities. We probably have come across the right answer. It's just we can't be definitive because there's not enough there. So, okay, let's talk about the passage in question. First Corinthians 15 and verse 29 reads like this. First um, Corinthians 15, 29. Otherwise, what will they do who are being baptized for the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, then why are people baptized for them? Um, so, Andrew, it sounds like people are baptizing each other or dead people, it seems like, in Corinth. So I guess there's a lot of questions, right, about I – guess, I guess you can have to parse this out, right? Like you have to think about – First off, before we even dive into what the text is, some big questions we need to consider, right? Is like, um, is this a practice that's taking place? And then is Paul advocating for that practice or is he merely commenting on that, right? Because that's some of the stuff that you and I have to do, right? And I think it's a good tip for all of us when we read things, especially like when we read narrative, right? We need to ask, is this descriptive of what somebody did or does um, and is it meant for you and I to go and therefore do likewise? Or, it, you know, it, it, um, so it, would it be normative in that fact, or is this just merely a description? So I'm going to throw that out to you, and I want you to just kind of walk through and we'll see, let's talk about it, because I think those are two big things. I think sometimes we don't make those distinctions as interpreters, uh, you know, just as we're normally going through. We don't we forget, like, we should be asking, is it descriptive? Or is this something that, that is being said, you should go and therefore do? Am I missing anything at that, those initial questions? No, I, th I think those are good questions. And one of the things, you know, I was excited about you and I doing this is we can talk about it in a way that, because uh, we have a pretty, you, it's not unique, we have a pretty conservative hermeneutic, right? Where we don't think you have to have Amen. all the historical information outside the text to understand the text. We don't think um, that we we need to, leave the Bible to find the meaning, we, you know? Um, and so when I gave the presentation, I do talk a lot about historical factors and theological factors, but the reality is there's enough here to know what Paul wants us to know. And so um, I think that's really important. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, uh, these are important questions. One of the things that's a clue here is the whole passage, Paul is arguing with somebody. There, there's an unknown um, opponent, and he'll do this in Romans. Paul likes to kind of have these... Uh, diatribes where he's got a, a set up uh, foe that probably is a true group at Corinth and he is um, arguing against them. But, you know, of course, we don't have their response or their correspondence. And so we have to kind of infer what they believe from what Paul is arguing against. Yeah. And um, and so this is a rhetorical structure. And so, you know, it is uh, it's not necessarily a uh, narrative in that sense, but rather a rhetorical argument. And it holds together in a certain pattern. And so that, that helps us kind of understand what he's getting at. Um, as far as the question of whether or not uh, this is something that we should be emulating, one of the clues we have here is uh, baptism for the dead is not the topic of this chapter. Um, also, when he refers to this, he uses third person pronouns. What will they do, those who are being baptized for the dead? 
And then hmm. you'll see that he'll shift his pronoun structure and talk about what we do in the next verse and then what you should do in the uh, verse 34. So interesting. So, yeah. So whether those people that are baptizing for the dead are genuine members of the Corinthian congregation, that they're doing something good, it's hard to infer that. But what we do know is it would be just as easy to say that this is not something you should emulate as it would be to say this is something that you should emulate because Paul doesn't refer to them as us. Um, he doesn't condemn the practice outright, though. So that, that's something that gets to people. Yeah. So, okay. So I guess right now, the theory that you're espousing, if I'm hearing you correctly, is even just the language right now, it appears that he's making an argument talking about the importance of the resurrection. And he's using a group of people that are in the context that don't sound like they're actually part of the church, right? That he said, you know, you'll say, what will they do? who are being baptized for the dead if the dead are not raised all them? Why are people baptized for them? And then why are we in danger every hour? You think that that could be that he's saying like he's commenting on those people and he's making that as an argument for us, right? For the church to hear these things. Yeah. So it would be an illustration maybe from um, the perspective of opponents, even to the Corinthian church that are, uh, emulating maybe a practice similar to the Christian baptism, uh, but they would deny the resurrection because the Greeks often believed in an immortality of the soul, but not in a resurrection of the body. And so they might be doing something to impart a uh, good work on those that are in the afterlife. Um, and what Paul's saying is they believe in some kind of uh, resurrection because of what they're doing. Um, I don't think this is the right view, but that is one view that you could argue. Um, he's, he's not even saying this is something that we're doing, and so we shouldn't well, rush to try to emulate this. Yeah, I guess that makes sense, though, because if you go into context, right, you look at 1 Corinthians uh, 15, 12, and that's the whole idea. If Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? Uh, and that's the big point he's making, right, is that, that Christ, that, that there will be a resurrection of the dead, almost as if like that people are, uh, I guess there's some sort of denial that's going on from the outsider. People are commenting saying they are, people are not raised from the dead. There will no, be no raising from the dead. Um, and so are you saying that like in this passage that maybe the, the opponents would be people who are believe in a, uh, a, the opponents are people who believe in a resurrection of the dead, but not of Christ? Uh, is that kind of what you're what you're saying or? Well, so, yeah, so I guess um, of the many options and I, I discussed kind of the three major ones in, in that chapel. Um, but the, the idea is that uh, these may be opponents. Uh, they may hold to a resurrection of Christ as a special resurrection, but deny a bodily resurrection of the rest of us. Um, OK. And um, uh, they, I, I do think that this is referring to some group claiming Christianity. I, I really don't think it fits well just to say this is, these aren't Christians at all. I, I think Paul is referring to a, a group attached to the Corinthian church that's doing something here. Um, his concern isn't what the practice is. His concern is that it's pointing to the resurrection. So, okay. so that's the, the key. Um, the, the other issue is then when we read this straightforward, we miss several uh, possibilities within the language as well. So the, the pronouns point to a reality that, that Paul has some type of 
distance from this, uh, this group. Um, and that distance may be artificial. It, it might just be a, a special group within the Corinthians that he wants to highlight if this is a um, different practice altogether, or they are the opponents that he is trying to argue against. Yeah. Uh, so, the, but because of that, um, immediately you could say, we don't have to take this verse as something to be emulated. Yeah. Because Paul doesn't even say, you know, it, it would be just as easy for him to say, what are we doing when we baptize for the dead? And, and that would put a little different spin on this, that, that this is something that we do as a church, but he, he doesn't say it that way. And so it gives us the ability to say that maybe we shouldn't be trying to revive this practice. Yeah. That that's not for us because he doesn't flesh that out. He doesn't go any further. And then, I mean, I guess for a Christian, we need to keep in context, right? There are no other references ever to people being baptized. We have this one reference and he talks about it in terms of they, not us, uh, and then on top of that, all the evidence for baptism that we find is nothing is ever of people plunging dead people underwater or baptizing somebody in terms of uh, in their stead. I mean, that's in terms of what we find, correct? Right. We, we now we do we do see vicarious activity done in Jewish groups and later Christian groups for the benefit of the dead. And we see that even in maybe more orthodox forms of Christianity with prayers done on behalf of those in purgatory in the Catholic world. Got it. Indulgences being purchased. And so it, it's not uncommon even to more of an orthodox Christian history to see uh, activities done trying to better the state of those that have already died. And yeah. so it's it's not working that backwards. It wouldn't be inconceivable to think that uh, at some point in time, baptism was being uh, re-practiced on behalf of someone who had died um, if there is kind of a, uh, a fear of purgatory or something like that. So, so again, we can bring in all kinds of plausible ideas here, but the key is the text does not call us to do this. Um, what it calls us to do is believe in the resurrection. Um, so, so that's like one view, and that, this idea is um, Jewish, or sorry, uh, Greek mystery religions that were often doing vicarious activity for those that have died, and they've brought that into the church, and they're mixing um, Orphic consecrations. Uh, Tertullian talks about the February lustrations, these prayers for the dead. They brought that into the baptism practice, and they, they're in, in coming into the church, they're trying to bring that over. And Paul yeah. doesn't take the opportunity to condemn that so much as to point to the more important reality. Um, so that 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 is one view. Um, the other view that is uh, generally pretty popular is the idea that um, the word for here doesn't mean on behalf of, but rather uh, on account of. And so th that view would be that uh, those that have died in the faith, it was because of their testimony that now I'm being baptized into the faith. And so I'm, I'm being baptized into the faith on account of the dead in Christ, uh, that they their faithfulness unto death, whatever it was, that that was the the key moment that brought me into um, a conversion experience. Not, not that it, Christ is, you know, uh, is secondary, but rather that someone that was on the fence and working through this and the idea of seeing their loved ones again, uh, it, it just all came together at the right time. And now I'm being baptized upon that testimony. And so, so a lot is, of, yeah. <clears throat> so just to clarify, these are people who, the dead are people who had played a role in them wanting to come to know the Lord? Is that what you're saying is like that they're being dead, baptized on the account of the dead, like they're wanting to go into have eternal life with those who they will go see? Is that what you're th saying? 
Yeah, so I mean, it would be pretty uh, broad. So we don't know precisely why, but on account of those people who are now dead, I'm being yeah. baptized. Um, and, and so uh, usually their testimony, their witness, the desire I have to see them again, um, all of that being brought together in, in this uh, movement of the Holy Spirit on my heart to finally um, bounty before Christ. So, so that is a view, um, and that, that's a very good view, I think. Um, it's uh, the word for uh, Hooper in Greek here, seem, the commentators seem to prefer the on behalf of rendering versus on account of, but on account of is definitely possible. Okay. Um, and then some people have extended that and said that the word uh, hoi nekroi, um, the dead. Um, hang on, let me just... Uh, okay. Um, so that the word the dead there is um, actually maybe a metaphorical use of the dead, that Paul's playing the dead against um, those that will resurrect from the dead. And so you have a figurative use playing against a literal use. And that when Paul's very next verse there says, uh, if the dead aren't raised, why are they baptized for them? Why are we in danger every hour? I face death every day. Uh, I die daily in another translation. So that Paul and the apostles and those that are the spectacles to the world that are undergoing suffering, persecution, and death for the faith, that even their testimony is a witness as well. And so people are being baptized on behalf of the figurative dead, the uh, the living in Christ that are dying daily. And so that, that's another view here. Um, I believe there's a textual variant that has been um, brought to bear on this text that, that talks about, um, uh, oh gosh, uh, tone out tone, um, uh, the dead of us, you know, or, or our dead. And so that, that extension, the idea would be, um, it has been used by some to say, hey, what we're looking at is um, a figurative use here playing against the literal resurrection. I think we're getting into murkier waters and kind of putting some proposals together that may make sense, but um, you, you have to have ellipses and, and try to make some gaps. You got to fill in some blanks to get there uh, in that so, view. But but what do you think? I mean, because, yeah, when you actually look at how it should be translated, right? I mean, you bring up verse 31. Um, yeah, the idea that I I perish, I die daily, right? That's, that's what he's saying. Um, do you think that 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 does have some merits though to the idea of like uh that if 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 he's saying i am somebody who is dying daily um that 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 is you know that he's somebody who is considered you know the dead that what are we doing if those who are baptized uh, for the dead or it, it does i mean does that i guess fit I mean, what do you think about how that if, if that's what he's saying and we try to push that back in what do you think that would mean that that those that 29 is actually saying yeah, so um, I was looking, okay, so Joel White, he gives this uh, interpretation in this view. Uh, so, otherwise, what will those do who are being baptized on account of the dead? That is the dead, figuratively speaking, that okay. is the apostles, the apostles. For if truly dead persons are not raised, why at all are people being baptized on account of them? That is the apostles. And so, uh, again, um, Got it. trying to use the following verse of Paul saying, I'm dying daily, to inform what is meant by the dead. And uh, the key here is that if you look at verses um, 6, verse 18, and verse 20, Paul never refers to the Christians who have died as the dead. He says, most of them are still alive, but some have fallen asleep. In verse 18, yeah. then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have also perished. In verse 20, 
the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. So he likes to use that idiom referring to the Christians who have died, that he's using the fallen asleep idiom. And Got then it. he talks about the dead here with the article, with the word the, kind of highlighting that word that it might be being used in a figurative sense there. So this would tie in, this this would be, like you said, like a kind of a tie-in that now we're being a little more specific besides we're being uh, baptized on account of the dead. We're being baptized on account of who the dead apostles, the saints, the people who have gone before. He clarifies. So what he's saying is that on account of are the apostles. And because um, this will tie into the next idea, too. Is, uh, if you remember, James and John ask if they can uh, sit at the right and left of Christ. And in one of the Gospels, it's mom that's asking on their behalf. And, and Jesus asks them, um, are you able to drink the cup that I drink? Are you able to have the baptism with which I am baptized? And what Jesus huh. is referencing there is, um, are you willing to die for this? You know, are, are, <laughs> that, that, are you going to endure the suffering and the death that I have to endure? And of course, they say, yes, we are. I'm not sure they're aware exactly what Christ is calling them to. But in that context, baptism is being used in reference to a living death, you know, being uh, committed over to death. And so you yeah. have that figure of use of baptism uh, Romans six, referring to being baptized in um, to death, uh, that we might be raised in the life of Christ, and, and so that connection is not uh, beyond uh, plausibility. It, it's found yeah. in other passages. Interesting. Well, that is okay. That's fast. So, where do you come down then? Okay, like um, because you can anybody can watch and listen to the whole the whole set. Of, and I know the one thing I really liked about what you did with the chapel is like, you said, okay, here's what it's about, but let's get down to like, what is the overall argument? Like we get caught up in this verse, but, uh, and, I, and I do, I want people, if you want, listen to the, listen to the, watch the video on YouTube that from gateway seminary, uh, when he's, uh, preaching in the chapel. Uh, but let's talk about your, what you think is the best and why you've kind of, we've looked at some major, where do you come down then? Well, let me, let me give, just two more options. Um, two more of the 200. Right. And uh, one that I had to cut from the, the, the chapel because of time uh, was this idea that these might be Jewish Christians who had converted from Sadducean Judaism into Christianity. Huh. And that uh, in this understanding, if you look at the Bible, the New Testament always mentions the Sadducees and then gives like a footnote, who don't believe in the resurrection of the dead. And if you recognize that Mark is written later than what Paul's writing here, and that Acts is written, you know, later, and we still are talking about these Sadducees who deny the resurrection of the dead, it, it was a pointed issue at this time that you have Jews denying the resurrection altogether. And what was, we don't talk about it much, but what if those Jews became Christians and they believed that Jesus rose from the dead, but they still held some kind of uh, rejection of a bodily resurrection for the rest of us? Huh. And so um, that option, let me just pull some notes up here. Uh, there's a, a Jewish um, researcher, and uh, it's always hard to find when you need it, right? Uh, his big argument, uh, Ben Kishet, uh, argues that the middle voice of baptizomenoi, baptizantai, uh, should be translated like this. Otherwise, what do they achieve, those who themselves are baptizing the dead, for the benefit of the dead? If actually the dead are not rising, why then are they themselves baptizing them for their benefit? And so what he argues is that baptism there should be understood as something that the Corinthian group 
maybe the Sadducee Christians are doing. They're washing the bodies huh. of dead loved ones, uh, like you see it, with the death of Tabitha in Acts chapter 6. Uh, she dies, they wash her body, they lay her on a bed, and then Peter comes and raises her from the dead. Or uh, Christ, you know, they want to prepare his body for, for burial. But there was this practice of washing the body before burial. And Paul might be saying, you're still doing this, and yet you're denying the resurrection of the dead. Why, why essentially would you put a clean up a body to bury it, you know? Um, and of course, people do that maybe for grief. But Paul's saying the real reason that you're doing it is you're preparing the body to be raised. And that's um, maybe the argument. There are some subtle Jewish overtones in this argument where if the dead aren't raised, we're false witnesses. You know, that would be a violation of the Ten Commandments. Uh, we have other passages. If you just read carefully, you'll see that there is some information here that might be pointing to Jews. And in the immediate context, he is saying, there are some that don't have a knowledge of God, but I speak sure. this to your shame. That might be a subtle reference that he's referring to those that should know better, being those that had the scripture, the Jews, and now they're bringing in this heresy into the church. So I thought that was a really interesting solution. It's a little strange translation, but um, um, since it's not that popular, I didn't, I didn't bring it over, but I like that one a lot. Um, so anyway, uh, the one that I hold to, um, again, very loosely holding because there's so many uh, really good ways to cut this, uh, is the idea that the dead here is actually referring to the bodies of those being baptized, our own bodies of death. You know, who will deliver me from this body of death, says Paul. So that these are converts in the Corinthian church that are about to be baptized. And Paul is saying, what are they doing who are currently undergoing baptism um, for their dead selves? Uh, so the dead there would have been understood as their own bodies. And huh. that uh, we are recognizing that these bodies of corruption must die through baptism and we will be raised pointing to the reality that we hope there is a resurrection of the dead where we will have glorified bodies. Now, wait, what verse did you give that you said that that's where you'd say that's probably a good framework to know? All right. I, I was going pretty fast. I asked that again. <laughs> the verse that you said where he's talking about that the dead being us, like our uh, the, the sown in sown in death. Uh, so Romans six. Okay. I may have it handy here. Um, so Romans six, uh, are you unaware that all of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death and were buried with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the father, we too may walk in a newness of life. Uh, later on, when Paul's talking about warring against my own body, he finishes that whole thing of, I don't do the things I want to do and the things I want to do, I don't do. Sorry, I do the things I don't want to, and I don't do the things I want to. Who will deliver me from this body of death? And this uh, discussion, I, I think that's maybe Romans 8. I, I don't have that one handy. Um, but this idea of bodies of death that we have as a result of sin, you were dead in your transgressions and sin, that reference being so um, heavily laden that Paul could just throw the word the dead out here and know that his audience would know where he's coming from. Yeah. I mean, now that you, now that you pointed out, like if you read Romans six, four, therefore we were buried with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the father. So uh, we too may walk in newness of life for we have been united with him in the likeness of his death. We will certainly be in the likeness of his resurrection. Now that to me is a pretty, I think, strong argument that, yeah, do they, are people just immersed in kind of the way Paul taught and talked uh, with this? And, and that's just kind of 
it does seem to be that that's a pretty easy jump to make if you've got Romans and First Corinthians uh, 15 together. I like that. Yeah. And uh, Romans 8, a different passage, but it still picks it up. Uh, now, if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit gives life because of righteousness. And in the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, he lives in you. Then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life. And so, again, uh, this might have been the mindset that Paul was operating from in, in writing Corinthians, knowing that his audience would have known where he was going. Yeah. And I did point to some historical stuff uh, in, in the discussion. Tertullian says that if you go to the next paragraph in the argument, the question Paul is anticipating is what kind of body will they have? Yeah. Those that are resurrected from the dead. And so Tertullian is assuming that... Uh, are stating that we would follow Paul's argument that the dead here is anticipating the dead bodies, our bodies. Yeah. And so okay. um, if that's the case, then what Paul's saying is these aren't my opponents. These are the, those that are just becoming Christians. Yeah. The catechumens, those that are waiting to be baptized. And, um, and then he moves from this uh, argument, not of uh, those against us baptized and those for us baptized, or sorry, those against us believe in the resurrection and those among us believe in the resurrection Rather, his argument would be the the babies among us believe in the resurrection, waiting uh, by, by baptizing themselves, uh, and the mature apostles among us believe in the resurrection. And so both of those fit the argument very well, from, from um, opponents to friends or from babies to adults. Uh, in either case, the resurrection is supreme. Interesting. Well, that I think is a really good way to, I think, kind of finish that off. I think that's a, I think one thing I like, and I don't want to give it out. I want people to go and watch it from you is some of the implications of what that should mean for our baptism, what that should mean for symbols like baptism, what that should look like, why it's important to teach on that. Um, you know, that it's much, it's much richer than just simply you're dunked, right? We talk about that. Okay, that's the extent of how go. We got to do it because we're supposed to dunk, you know, but like what is being said here? So uh, we'll put the link in. Uh, make sure you go to that and um, and listen more what uh, Andrew says. But hey, man, that's I feel good. I feel like when I hit that, when I preach in Corinthians, when I'm done with Matthew in like three years from now, maybe I'll go to <laughs> Corinthians. So may I get there in like 20 years. I'll be ready to roll. Um, well, by the time I get to first Corinthians 15, but that's good stuff, man. Cause that's one of those weird passages. Like I said, you read it and you're like, ah, I don't know. It's hard. So thank I you. Say, I feel better with, with the way that we view the Bible. You don't have to know the answer to this question to know what Paul's saying. What, what he's saying is we live in light of the resurrection. And so even though he's got kind of a confusing verse here, it's not part of the argument in the sense that we need to go hunt this down and dig it up. And so yeah, everything we need is very clear. Uh, what we do, we do in light of the resurrection of the dead and yeah. we suffer in light of the resurrection and, and how we choose to live um, in holiness because of the resurrection. So, so that's the key is that we, we don't have to, we don't have to definitively stamp. We, we solve this. In yeah. order to know what Paul's talking about. And I think that's the important uh, thing here, the perspicuity of scripture. It is understandable just by reading it. Uh, well, though, yeah. But I think I think one thing you bring up, which is key, is right, is is um context is going to give you the 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 general flow of what it is. And it's the same thing when you read like on the old testament side, when you read biblical poetry, sometimes you look at these lines, you're like, what on earth? 
does that mean? But then the next line, because that's the way Hebrew parallelism is, is it will like kind of, you may not understand what the first line is, but the second line will clear that up to where you say, okay, I kind of sort of get where we're going. Um, and that's the same thing I think is context will flesh that out of like, here is the argument. Don't get lost in what that piece is meaning. Like, here's the overall piece. But I do think, you know, if you have people who say that we should be doing that, like you should look at the whole context and say, I don't see that in scripture. Yeah. And, and you don't, I, and I, you and I firm this all the time. You do not need to be a history major um, and know all ancient Near Eastern, all New Testament, intertestamental period literature to be a good uh, Bible scholar or to just understand your text. Uh, like, look, I think you should know that if you're going to go on and further, if you want to go terminal degrees, you should know this stuff. But in terms of like, how do I understand the Bible? Um, we didn't have, you don't have to pull out and go through layers and layers and layers upon church history or dig in and find some archaeological study on Corinth to be able to get this. We just have the text and, and that is sufficient in and of itself. So I appreciate you doing that and walking us through it. Well, it was a fun one. Thanks for letting me uh, vent some more because you just can't, you, you prepare so much and you can't share it all within a 30 minute window. So we should do this. We should, and if anybody wants to let us know, uh, when you like subscribe, I found out YouTube does not have the down button, at least that's public. So you want to push the down, but I mean, you could push down, but, but you'll never see how many dislikes, <laughs> but like it, don't dislike it, but let us know if there's a comment, there's a weird passage. Um, I'll let Andrew do all of those for you if you'd like to <laughs> on this channel. So, uh, <laughs> um, Hey man, you ready to close this out? Yeah, that's, that's your, your job. Go for it. Let's do it. All right, let's do it. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look with favor on you and give you peace. Hey, thanks for watching. And uh, we look forward to talking to you guys a little bit later. Go to the video, watch and listen to the sermon. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.